Welcome to Building Healthy Relationships, the Four Habits podcast, helping you enjoy better harmony at home, thrive at work, and win at life. Here are your hosts, Dr. Andrea and John Taylor Cummings, recognized authorities on the subjects of improving work relationships and cultures, as well as couple and home relationships. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Building Healthy Relationships, the Four Habits podcast. And the title of the series today is Inclusion Payback, Better Results When You Include Everyone. And we are excited to have our special guest, Jeremy Lindley. Uh, Jeremy's a good friend of ours. We're going to do a proper introduction in, in, in the moment. But we, uh, the, Jeremy wrote this brilliant article, which I'm going to tell everybody to look for on LinkedIn from now up front about uh, being more inclusive with design. He'll tell you the actual title. But that's we've had a few conversations around uh, the brilliant work Jeremy has been doing on inclusive design, but let's give him let's give him the proper proper due bio. Proper due. So thank you, and from, then we'll get from me it. personally, Jeremy, for joining us today. It's a it's a delight, a pleasure, a privilege to have you on the on the show with us. Um, let me do the the introduction for for our, our audience to to know a bit about about the man behind the uh, image or the voice you're about to hear. So Jeremy Lindley is responsible for transforming the design capability and output of Diageo's current brands and new products worldwide. Diageo, as some of you may know, is the world's leading premium drinks business. So he is passionate about the impact design has on business performance and the way design thinking leads to breakthrough ideas wherever it's supplied. Standout projects include Johnny Walker Blue Label, uh, Guinness Harp Dispense Font. He's the winner of the DBA Design Effectiveness Grand Prix 2020 and the Johnny Walker brand home in Edinburgh, which opened in September 2021. And I'm yet to go visit that, but I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So prior to joining Diageo, Jeremy was head of design for Tesco, uh, responsible for the uh, portfolio of 19,000 private label pro products and for leading the store formats and design teams. His early career was as a freelance designer and university lecturer. Jeremy is a Cannes Lions and TEDx speaker. He is chair of trust trustees for, of the charity Soulmates Academy Foundation, former chair of the Design Businesses Association, a member of the Design Commission advising the UK government on design policy, and a visiting lecturer at Omnes Business School. So wow. welcome, Jeremy. So just, just, to, just to point this out even more to our listeners, if you ever go into a pub, go up and look for that Guinness Harp font that's Jeremy's work. <laughs> he will say, I'm sure Jeremy will say Jeremy and his team. But yeah, Jeremy and his team. Behind the, behind a large the... team, yes. Large yeah, no, team. Big, big team. But, so um, welcome, Jeremy. So thank good. Thank you. A real pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Um, and I mentioned the article earlier, but I didn't say look on LinkedIn. And what was the title of the article, Jeremy? I know it was about inclusive design. Yeah, I really should know the answer to that. Other than it was about inclusive design, I can't well, there remember. You go. There you go. <laughs> but it was we'll outlining the the sort of passion that we've got for that, the ideas that we're trying to promote, and it, it, it's key to how we think about design within Diageo, but also we're kind of talking about it externally to see if there's any change that we can inspire and any lessons that we can share. Yeah, and there were four things that you spoke about in there. I just going to say the title of it. We can put that in the show notes at the end. Yeah. We'll get that for the listeners. And it's on LinkedIn. Just look for Jeremy Lindley and it will be there. <laughs> but the, the four things, I'm going to test myself because we've spoken about this a few times and then we'll just lead naturally into you telling us about the passion. So you spoke about characterization, representation, agency, and 
perspective. Is that right? Very good. That's very <laughs> I know it's probably not in the right order, but yeah, just wanted to plant that seed in everybody's minds, raise a bit of curiosity. Um, and that leads us naturally into saying, Jeremy, tell us about what's, what's the passion, what's driving you now, what's the change that you want to see in the world? And then we'll, we'll go on to how does relationships fit into that? But what's the passion? Brilliant. Thanks. Well, it's this, as you said, the, the title is Inclusive Design. Um, and really the insight there is if you think about and consider the needs of everyone, especially those that in the past might have been excluded from using your products or, you know, in our case, from, from being able to enjoy our category. Um, if you consider their needs, then actually it ends up making design better for everyone. So it's thinking about the excluded and then the end result, you, you don't design special aids or different versions for different groups of people. You just consider a broader group of needs and um, the end result is better designed for everyone. It, it comes out of, I mean, if you sort of track it all the way back um, in terms of Diageo, our purpose as a business is celebrating life every day, everywhere. Um, that leads us to really think in all aspects of our business, you know, how are we? celebrating and that includes how are we including people in that celebration um, wow. that's led us to think about progressive marketing so how can we use the marketing spend uh, and the messages that we give around marketing to really improve society not just sell more of our products but actually have an impact on culture and society we started that thinking really thinking about gender and gender representation probably 10 12 years ago broaden that thinking now to a much broader uh, kind of concepts of inclusion um, and we've been through a number of stages of development of the thinking really the the latest stage of our thinking around progressive marketing is inclusive design um, and it, it, it's as much as anything a justice issue if we if we think about who we're representing and how we're characterizing um, it should include all of society and to be honest, marketing doesn't at the moment. Mm. Um, and it's also thinking about a little bit more who's behind the camera or who's holding the pen in terms of doing the design work. So whatever metric you look at, the UK creative industry doesn't reflect um, the UK population, um, so whether that's in gender. Sorry, go on. I, I just wanted to jump in there because mm. everything that you're saying is mm. so relevant to all of society you know when you say who is being represented who's behind the camera whose voice or perspective is it coming from that is the that's why i wanted us to do this because exactly what you're talking about in diageo or in marketing is what we all need to hear about inclusion in general sorry i had to jump in and just make that point so that everybody thinks more widely as you go through what you're sharing about the well, Diageo experience. While, while we're jumping in there for Jeremy, uh, for a moment, uh, forgive me, Jeremy. I love the way you said, let's not design products for minority groups out there. Let's put everybody in the, same, in the mix and make sure we've got their input as well. So when we're designing one product, everybody can enjoy it yeah. rather than making people feel like, oh, well, here you go. You, we've just developed a, a little small product your for you other. on the side, your yeah. other kind of thing. Love that thinking there. So um, circling back to the main conversation then, if you're doing that and you're talking about, as you said, coming behind the, the exact language that you use, but making sure everybody is in, engaged, what what part do you see relationships playing in this? Um, so, look, I, I think relationships are really fundamental to making diversity work. 
Um, we need more diversity. Um, it, certainly, if I just think about my, uh, you know, kind of professional area in terms of design, we need more diversity in design. Whatever metric you look at, um, whether it's race, um, whether it's male, female, uh, whether it's, you know, sort of social background, uh, the design industry isn't diverse. Um, mm. I'll look, I, if you're listening on the podcast, you, you won't be able to see, but I'm a white, <laughs> middle aged male. Um, and an awful lot of people that work in design look like me and come from the same background as me. That could make the, life. It, you didn't make them very sorry. handsome, middle-aged, white. Middle-aged. <laughs> you that, left that bit out. <laughs> um, and we're not, we're not saying that you know white middle-aged men shouldn't do the designing. It's just we shouldn't be the only people designing. Yeah. Um, and actually, you, you end up. All of us have some level of unconscious bias it's unavoidable um just because of the background that we've kind of grown up in if everybody on a team looks the same comes from the same background sadly that unconscious bias can turn into applied bias and actually there's there's some dangerous things that have happened as a result of that so if you're a woman you're 70 percent more likely to suffer a serious accident in a car crash than men are and it's because historically design teams for automotive design were mostly male and they tested their designs on crash test dummies that were based on the average male form wow Um, and as a consequence things like seat belts and and airbags don't work quite so well when you have a different body shape when you're shorter um for example than than on the, the average male form so um there's some aspects you know of of things like kind of representation that are you know kind of important but but really, in some areas of design, it's actually dangerous if you allow um, unconscious bias to become applied bias. Um, wow. So we, we definitely need more diversity in our design teams. Um, the relationship part, Sean, just to go back to your question, is diversity alone isn't enough. Um, you then need an inclusive set of behaviours um, such that people will feel heard, such that their perspectives are used. If you don't have inclusion to go with diversity, then people just leave. They don't feel part they, of a design team. Come on now. You're um, talking our language. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> so, listen, it's harder. It's much easier to lead a team where everybody thinks the same way as you. You kind of get to results quicker. Actually, it takes a little bit longer to really pause, listen, actively listen, understand the perspective of someone that's coming from a different position to you. Um, you have to kind of push through that in order to get to different results so i quite often talk about actually how you know a diverse team is a little bit harder to manage and lead than a very mono team but i'm absolutely convinced and i've seen it in my work it gets to better results it's worth the extra effort there's a business payback absolutely and we just want to jump on that because that's exactly the message that we're saying it's easy to get along with people you know and people who think like you and act like you and behave like you it can be really tough to put yourself in the other person's shoes when the way that they think and their uh lived experience is so wildly different from anything you've ever known and then when you disagree on things then it becomes easy to break the relationship or go separate ways than to push through that but to get to a really inclusive environment you need to be intentional in our language about the habits you develop around relationships so that you can do relationships well especially 
across difference. And what I love with what you're saying is, yes, it's all true. Inclusion takes more effort and more work, but you're giving such tangible examples mm, of how mm. how dangerous and how costly it can be when we get it wrong and why it is vital for business to thrive for people to thrive in businesses that we do the hard work of getting it right yeah i hadn't i, hadn't, no, I think that's right yeah, i was just gonna jump in there for a second i hadn't actually seen or thought about some of the dangers of it i've generally thought of blind spots where you know if you have uniformity then you've all got the same blind spots. And as we learned back in the day when we first set up in business together, perhaps in my arrogance, I could see my strengths and I could see all the stuff that I could do well. And I assumed I could do everything well until I realized <laughs> other people had different strengths and there were some bits that I was missing. And recognizing that actually I did have blind spots. And I think the lack of diversity and the lack of difference is really what um, puts us at the mercy of those blind spots where you can yeah. end up with the, the sort of danger situations of, you know, as, as you were saying, the seatbelt and, and car uh, automotive uh, examples. Yeah, I'm going to remember that example. Really, really um, powerful consequences if we don't, if we have those blind spots and we don't get it right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's where, I think actually there's the, the, this where learnings from the design process can help broader than design. There's been a, you know, a lot of talk over the probably last 10 years around design thinking and how design thinking shouldn't just be applied to design. I think this is one of those examples. So when, when you work as a designer, one of the things you, you, you learn is um, you, you never settle on the first idea that you have. Um, you're always looking for a, a variety of ideas. Uh, actually, to be a really good designer, you've got to be quite low ego because you, you do everything in a team. There's a kind of po popular myth about the creative process that it's the sort of the lone tortured genius who's you know searching <laughs> for the idea and then you have this eureka moment and hey presto everything's great very occasionally that happens nearly <laughs> always though um what happens is firstly you're working in a team um and secondly you're generating multiple ideas and you're testing ideas and you're learning designers love to fail because in the process of failing you've learned what doesn't work and probably what is going to work so you develop lots of ideas you work as a team you have to put your ego to one side and when you're leading a design team and, and start the process thinking i probably won't have the best idea one of my colleagues might have the best idea often a great idea comes from observing your user group and you find people have found a solution to the problem naturally that you haven't uh, you know kind of worked out yet so ideas come from lots of different places you put your ego to one side you test lots of ideas and you learn what works the best so the more different ideas you have the more diversity you have the more you put the ego to one side the more likely you are to succeed so I think this lesson from design thinking which is don't assume that you've got the best idea mm. um, be really open. Don't view failure as failure. Actually view it as part of the, the learning and development process. I think it works and applies in relationships where you go, I'm, I'm not necessarily right here. I haven't necessarily got the best idea. And if I pause long enough to genuinely understand someone else's perspective and idea, then it can help. That is so <laughs> powerful. I mean, and, and, and easier said than done, you know, this idea of putting our egos to one side and being open to a perspective that can be better than ours, that's asking a lot of a lot of us sometimes because we want to be the heroes in, the, you know, our story is the story. Everybody else is just a, an actor or an extra <laughs> in that story. And we want to be the heroes in the story. It's kind of how we tend to be wired. Absolutely. I was going to say, what a powerful message for relationships generally. 
put your ego to one side. And you said that multiple times there just now. So, so powerful. Was it Lindbergh uh, in, in an earlier episode that we did? He said, um, it's easy. Everybody wants to be right. But actually, how do we? It was Lindbergh who said that, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Make it right rather than be right. And I just thought, yes, it's absolutely the same point. This being right thing, the ego gets in the way, can cause real problems in relationship land. And I can see how, yeah, I can see how if you have that culture as um, a natural way of working in the design team, Mm. I can see why you have so much, well, you've learned so many lessons around how to be inclusive in design and how those lessons can then translate into other uh, industries and other other contexts. It's like because of the work that you're doing, you're the forerunners of getting this right to teach everybody else how to apply it. <laughs> yeah. But we've interrupted your flow. So you've spoken about representation. Um, have we done characterization yet? Uh, can... I'm not sure that we have. So, I mean, should I, should I just w- work through the four? Is that um, yes? Yeah, you know, in terms of those great, areas. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, look, this is the, the, these these four, you know, kind of topics. They're things that we've talked about within Diageo for a long time. They, they started with us thinking about gender, and now we're applying them you know, m- much broader to include right. ethnicity and also disability and inclusion. Now, so you know, representation is thinking about okay, who, who are we representing in our work, and is that truly inclusive are we actually representing you know the the broad population um the specific area that we're thinking about at the moment is disability up to 20 percent of the uk population has some form of disability um if you look at advertising um only two percent of the time are they represented in an advert Mm. and sometimes when they're represented it's a able-bodied actor that is playing their role mm-hmm. it's just not right um and actually the ask from the disabled community is can you just represent us not always in a hero role and mm-hmm. definitely not as we're often characterized certainly in films in the kind of villain role can you just show us living normal everyday life please because that's what we do so yeah. making sure that our representation is reflective of, of the uk population then this perspective where we're saying okay who, whose perspective are we telling the story from and making sure that isn't, mm-hmm. as has happened in marketing in the past, a sort of dominantly white male middle class perspective. Who is telling the stories? Andrew, you made the point. Who is behind the camera? Um, mm-hmm. We're passionate about never uh, having the male gaze in our work. One of the key ways you get rid of that, you know, kind of male gaze, the sort of stereotyping and leering gaze that you sometimes get of, of women, is if you have a woman behind the camera, it tends yeah. not to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's agency. So that's are the people that we're actually representing. Do they have agency? Do they have a role? Uh, let's make sure, for example, you know, that women aren't shown in subservient roles or they're not the butt of the joke. You know, that mm-hmm. actually they're shown, you know, in the truth of what happens in society, uh, which is mm-hmm. women in leading roles. Let's show women as as sometimes the founders of our brands, as the craftspeople, you know, working on our brands. And then finally, characterization, that's making sure that we show really well-rounded uh, and real people um, as opposed to, you know, kind of stereotypes. And I, I mentioned with, you know, disabled people, the frustration they sometimes have. They have an equal frustration with either being an object of pity uh, mm-hmm. or of being a hero. They say to us in the research, look, both is really dehumanizing. Um, mm-hmm. So don't show us in this kind of pity type of role. Um, but also. Can you show us 
living normal everyday life. We don't always have to be heroic because we're managing mm-hmm. to struggle through all our problems. Mm-hmm. Can you actually that show is- us as these well-rounded characters? Just people, yeah. And again, the lessons there can apply to any uh, traditionally marginalized group, because as you were talking about the experiences or the desires of the disabled community, I'm thinking about the black community and how they've, we have been stereotyped and characterized and villainized and, you know, how that ripples through in the way we get treated in society. You know, there are stats I was looking at where, uh, a black person is 10 times more likely to be stopped on the street or even arrested than even uh, other minority ethnics, you know, maybe from Asian communities, uh, definitely a lot more than the white community. And it's the stories, it's who's behind the camera and how uh, we're being represented and characterized. Now, all the things you've just said uh, apply to all the groups that have been marginalized in some way. Mm. And so this conversation, that's why I wanted to have this conversation, is the more responsible we get in the way that we do our work and in a more inclusive way, applying all the principles that you're telling us about, uh, the more we can create the society where everybody thrives and nobody is um, in danger, literally, because uh, they've not been included in the thought process. One of the things we thought about in in our you know sort of design process and the design teams is are, are are the cultures that are inspiring our work benefiting from it um mm. so you know worst case scenario you get a nice design agency sitting in london they'll be searching for ideas and they might get an inspiration from you know a, another culture at its worst in effect they can steal those ideas they just take the ideas from another culture and incorporate them in their work what we've insisted on actually is saying listen if a culture inspires the work it has to benefit from it so there's a example of a Smirnoff product the idea was inspired by Mexico in the day of the dead what the agency did is they employed a Mexican um, illustrator who was living in Mexico City to do the work now, that, that for me is a justice issue. If that culture has inspired the work, they should benefit from it. Mm-hmm. The, the side benefit to us from a business perspective is you absolutely guarantee you're going to get cultural relevance, that you're not taking an idea and using it inappropriately because someone from the culture mm-hmm. is going to be able to represent their culture without you know, borrowing symbols inappropriately. Yeah. So it's another example of, of, you know, it's both the right thing to do, but actually you get a better business results it's, it's one of our most successful ever innovations that and i'm sure that part of the reason is it just feels like it authentically comes from the culture and it's not appropriating the, which is the, which is a problem again going back to the black community even with the hair i don't know if you remember back to was it bo derrick who was the first one to have braids in her hair when she did it it was a big deal when black people had been doing it all along they were told that's not appropriate hairstyle for the workplace <laughs> uh, but i can see how the 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 the, the kind of commitment from diageo to be culturally appropriate means not only do you continue with the customer base you already have but you can engage with a much wider audience because they're firstly not offended by it and secondly will love you for giving them a voice mm. and including them in in the way you you mm. represent it and the markets that you go after what, what, awesome. what, what i love is what you've built or continue to build i'm guessing it's, it's a, a ongoing process 
is a system to address the challenges. Because yeah. people talk about systemic racism or systemic this and that and the other. And it's, it's often the system that's blamed. But I think what you've done has been on purpose about thinking, well, how do we fix the system? How do we structure the system so that we get the right result time after time after time, rather than sort of piecemeal approaches or, or maybe just or patchwork trying to fix one thing at a time? You've, you've developed a system, which is what I love, yeah. which it's seems to be delivering the results. It's not just in the head, it's the heart of what you're doing. And you've mentioned that word, it's a justice issue so many times. And we can see that if you change the way you think about things, the behaviors, your actions, the policies, the decisions that you make Mm -hmm. will come from the heart decision to do right by all people. Love that. So, so much to unpack. Go on, Jeremy. What else do you have to tell us? And <laughs> then probably abandon no, it's question. just a, the, <laughs> and it's the, the, the system point that you've talked about. So there's a, you know, there's a, a number of things that we put in place in order to, to try and bring about change in our, in our mm-hmm. industry. Um, so, you know, w- one of the things we talk to our agencies about is to say, listen, I, I really want you to have a project team that reflects the target market. And if you haven't got, mm-hmm. you know, that diversity within your business, in the design world, a lot of people are self-employed, they work freelance. We said, look, reach out into the, the freelance world. The world is very connected. Um, there's a process that Diageo has done for many years now, which is called Free the Bid, um, which is when there's a, uh, for uh, an advert, when there's a, a director being selected, mm-hmm. you know, we said that we want at least 50% of the shortlist to be female because we were observing that we weren't getting women, you know, directing. Um, And we've now extended that to say, okay, for the broader project team, we want broader representation, including um, that we want, you know, people to be um, working on our our work who are disabled. Um, So it's actually kind of putting things like that in place that they have made a significant difference. We've got a much higher proportion, for example, of female directors directing our work now. Um, so I because have a, we've, we've pushed and insisted and said, if you want to work for Diageo, this is the process you have to follow. So yeah, I just want to jump in there because when we do the workshops on inclusive recruitment and explain the impact that unconscious bias that we all have, you know, it's the brain shortcut to make decisions quickly. And we don't even realize we're doing it where we're ruling people off the shortlist uh, for one reason or another. And the pushback that we get when we uh, talk about how to, Uh, Mm -hmm. mitigate unconscious Mm -hmm. bias and insist on having this wider pool with greater representation in the shortlist. The pushback is, but we have recruitment agencies and we have to go with who they represent. And I'm like, no, you're paying them. So tell me, what do you do? What does Diageo do when you ask for this mix of freelancers or, you know, more representation in the project or when you're recruiting? If you ask for that and you don't get it in the shortlist, what do you do? Uh, it, it's a mandate. So uh, we wouldn't work with now. We wouldn't work with an agency that doesn't hit our targets. Wow. So it's it's taken time. Say that, wait, wait, wait. Say um, that again. <laughs> there are people who need to hear this. So that's, say that again. What well, do listen, you do? It's taken, it's taken time. And, and you don't just jump to this straight away. Yeah. We've done a lot of work with the agencies that we work with. We've, we've trained them. We've worked together. Honestly, we we feel the commitment coming back from them as well. Um, right. But if an agency doesn't meet our standards, then we won't work with them. Yeah. Um, so these are our requirements. You must have this proportion of people, uh, you know, uh, on on the shortlist. Um, and if you unable unable to deliver that to us, it's the same as if you're unable to deliver mm-hmm. high creative standards. 
to us, yep. we won't work with you. Yep. We, um, we know the people are out there. It's in service of creativity. So this is, I, I've mentioned this a number of times, you know, it's the right thing to do. It also makes for better work. So w- we see better work as a result of diversity. Um, we're doing it in order to service the high creative standards that we demand. Um, but it's a requirement. Uh, and if you can't meet it, then you don't work with the agent. That is just amazing. And I hope everybody listening will just want to share this podcast, not just to get the the, the, the Four Habits podcast out there, but because this message, what you're saying is just so powerful and so important. Because when you get the heart right and you have people, leaders like yourself, with the courage to stand behind what you believe to become more inclusive so that everybody benefits and you know, you do better work as a result of it, then the actions or the decisions that you take of who you'll work with or who's included on the project, all those things follow naturally from having that, that, that commitment up front that we're going to do right by people and we're going to be inclusive in the way that we approach yeah. everything. Wonderful. Wonderful. Really powerful. We should we should move on. I want to move us on though to look at some of the challenges. I don't want to move on. No, I want to talk more about what's going on at Dare. We could stay there. No, well, well, it, it may may still be within the Agile, may, may may not be. When we think of other things, we're going to have to do round two, Jeremy, because this is just come gold. On, come back on a round two, absolutely. But I wanted to move on to talk about actually some of those challenges because clearly, even even and it may not this may not be an example you choose to use, but I think even putting the laying the law down and saying, look, this is a mandate. If you don't want to work, if you're not able to meet this these standards sorry you're not going to be able to work with us that's going to put noses out of joint going to get backs up going to, going to upset a, lot, a number of people may not be the example you choose to use but i wanted to talk about challenges some of the challenges you might have faced perhaps in the work that you've done um whether in in and because you, you do charity work you do corporate work just on your journey some of the challenges that you may have come across in relationships and, and, and from a relationship perspective right. and how you've been able to navigate some of those to get people on side any examples you can share with us in that space um i mean look i think um I, just reflecting a little bit you know on that on that sort of last conversation and then i'll you know sort of bring it into answering this kind of question as well which is um these things take time yeah. And, you know, it, this is sort of 10, 15 year kind of you know, legacy mm. of, of, you know, huge commitment within Diageo to, to, to bring about change. As I mentioned, initially with gender representation, but then moving to much broader, um, you know, kind of issues of, of diversity. Um, and it takes time. And, I, you know, honestly, the first set of initiatives that we put in place around this didn't really move the dial. We had to relook at ourselves and go, okay, what? Why two, three years in, aren't we seeing a difference? What is kind of happening here? Um, we've needed to engage quite broadly with the industry. We've not done this on our own. There are other progressive marketing organizations, mm. you know, conversations with agencies, moving people on over time. So I think, you know, uh, it, it, there's no kind of like bang, X is kind of changed. It has mm. been a process of thinking and evolving, of okay. learning and of influencing that, that we've been through that have enabled us to get to the point where, you know, we have seen significant change happen in our industry, in, in the agencies that we work with and in our our work as a result. So, and I think in terms of the, you know, where it's been, you know, kind of challenges, I think it's a case of kind of, if I think back to some of those, 
maybe you know conversations that were difficult or how do we sort of move people on it, it's it's patience um it's recognizing you're not going to make the change overnight um she investing in understanding where people are coming from for the the gentle art of persuasion as opposed mm-hmm. to you know kind of hardness in that um and and just w- working it working the relationships listening mm-hmm. um uh now you know we've certainly you know when we've had good results when we've seen good work when we've seen things making a difference you know we've tended to kind of talk about that uh and promote it and say look you know here's here's an early little gem of a of an outcome and of a result um and we want to see more of this you know kind of happening um but a lot of a lot of patience and just a lot of engagement with people and taking people with you i guess would be you know, my answer to go, how, how have we helped get people over mm-hmm. over some of the challenges? Yeah, patience, understanding, listening, engagement is what I'm hearing you saying. Uh, yeah, what's, it, what's important to them in the process yeah. and then telling those stories, no matter how small, of the successes that you've had and why this is really a good thing to do for everybody concerned really powerful so much that we could unpack but i know we need to contain the conversation um what about what are the lessons well let me ask it this way what's the best advice that you received in terms of relationships and doing relationships well or even uh navigating this world of helping people think and behave more inclusively what's the best advice you've received and what advice would you want to pass on um i remember i mean it's actually quite early in my career i remember a really great piece of advice that a boss kind of gave me he said something odd to me on the first day that i worked for him he said listen you've just started reporting to me he said one day i might work for you it's kind of well, wow. okay. What do you mean? He said, Listen, the world is a funny place. And um, he said, almost everybody you meet, you will in some other instance meet somewhere else. And he said, Maybe you'll do fantastically in your career and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you know, kind of shoot upwards. I might stagnate. And then in 10 years' time, there might be a position where there's a reorganization and suddenly I work for you. And he said, So when I'm thinking about how I manage and how I lead people, I'm always thinking, how would it be if things were the other way around? You know, what legacy have I left? Is someone going to approach this new relationship thinking, time for revenge? Mm. Or are they going to think, this was an amazing boss and I'm now going to really help and support him? And he just said to him, he, I remember him saying to me, you know, you will meet everybody again. Never burn a bridge. You know, always treat people in the way that you yourself want to be treated. And, you know, such that in the future... If you need something from someone or you're working with them, their memory of you is positive. Um, so I just thought it was a really great piece of advice, which was was that, you know, you will always meet people again. Make sure you've invested in that relationship such that that meeting isn't then awkward. But I, I also love the advice, which was treat people the way that you yourself want to be treated. Um, mm. And I think that that's a piece of advice I would always want to pass on to to anybody is that around that kind of just treat people with kindness and grace and all the way that you you like to be treated yourself yeah and again such a powerful piece of advice i love that thinking that you know yeah. there could become a, that there could come a day where uh your boss now becomes a member of your team or your direct report and that's actually happened in my career as well so it's real. <laughs> it's real. I, I, well, I've certainly observed people go down that path and 
have people work for them who've been treated really badly. And I, I could just imagine what would happen if the, if those situations were reversed. So yeah. that's such good um, advice to have received early on in terms of a mindset, a way to approach things. And, you know, it shows the simplicity in a sense of inclusion. Sometimes we get bent out of shape with the words diversity and inclusion. But if we just think about how we're treating people mm. and treat them in a way, if I can build on the idea of treating them how you want to be treated. Of course, if we're talking about kindness and respect, then absolutely it's how you want to be treated. But sometimes if you don't understand the lived experience of certain communities, treating them the way you would like to be treated might not be treating them well. So we like to say treating people equally well, meaning getting to know them and know what good treatment means for them with their lived experience and their trigger words and their uh, backgrounds and so on, so that the end result is we all feel treated with kindness and respect. So really powerful. There's so many messages in there. I'm going to have to listen to this again and, and pull out the points. <laughs> Unpack some of those. Because uh, amazing, Jeremy. Any any final thoughts from you know the, the experience? I know you're doing a lot of training now, aren't you, throughout Diageo uh, with the, is it the design team, the marketing team to help everybody understand the, the principles of inclusive design? What's the work that you're doing? Yeah, so, we've got a, uh, so it's a training program that we've put together. Um, we're actually training all of our marketing community in inclusive design. It's a three hour training program. So that's 1200 people uh, over the wow. course of a, a year that we're training. And then we're also rolling that out to our agencies. Um, and it's, 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 deliberately very kind of conversational lots of times in small groups lots of time to reflect um because a, a lot of what we're thinking about is in the nuance so i mentioned you know there there are some aspects of inclusive design where you know the, there's real danger there the medical world's another one where um you know most medical diagnosis and actually medicines are designed for and tested on men um wow. so um again you're, you're more likely to be misdiagnosed having a heart attack uh, if you're female because the textbooks were written by men based on observations of men it's even worse if you're black so this intersectional intersectionality mm. kind of comes into play yeah. so yeah. There, there's some aspects that are you know kind of safety wise we have to write our medical textbooks uh and we have to to shift the testing of drugs to include broader groups you know male mm. female different ethnicities there's, there's some aspects of that that are quite shocking to people but there's a lot that's in the nuance and it's just helping people you know think about you know in, in our world it'll feel trivial in comparison to you know misdiagnosing a heart attack but it's still something that we, we spend a bit of time on it's just helping people think about am i coming from design from a kind of a, mm. a, a western white perspective you know actually you know think about the fact that different cultures have got different appreciations of design mm -hmm. just pause before you decide describe something as good design um which often means the type of design that that people like me like you know actually understanding the the tastes and the desires of other people that'll then kind of get you to better work so those things take a bit of time so we're in the middle of, of rolling that out there's a number of other things that we're doing to to try and bring about change in the design world so you know we're, we're sponsoring there's an initiative that we're sponsoring dnad shift which um is a free night school for for people that come from underrepresented you know kind of groups young 
self-taught talented creatives um, that together with um, Google and Adidas were sponsoring that program to try and help them break into the the creative world. I was just mm-hmm. last week at their you know kind of en- end of school show, as it were, twenty amazingly talented you know young people that have been through this program they've worked on a brief um that my team have set and, and they've kind of coached and mentored them. we had all our agencies there um to just try and help people you know break into the the creative world to try and you know bring about some change in representation right from from the start so we're try, trying to work on both you know the, the sort of training um and, and mentoring side of things but then also physically helping you know, bring a broader representation into the design world because um, it's very hard to design for something when you haven't lived that experience and it yeah. makes our creative world richer um, and stronger when we've got broader representation. Yeah. Wow. You know, Jeremy, you ooze <clears throat> commitment and belief and passion for bringing about real inclusion in design, in the work that you do, in the way that the company operates, and even in the impact that you have in wider society. It has been an absolute pleasure to have this conversation Mm. with you. I wish that more corporate leaders got it and had it in their DNA, like you do. Not just corporate leaders, world leaders, leaders in general, because if we did, then we would find a way to figure out the mess and the problems that we have in the world, even if we don't know the answers now, because your heart is obviously in the right place. Yeah. And, and that's think, just amazing. I was going to say, I think what demonstrates it is you guys have the results to, to show it, to prove yeah. it. Because this is not brands that nobody's heard about. These are brands that everybody knows and loves, and these are successful brands. I mean, maybe maybe we should have started this at the beginning of the, of the uh, episode for people who don't really know the Diageo brand. But what is it, Guinness? Uh, Johnny Walker, we mentioned um, Smirnoff, I believe, is one of your is your yeah Bailey's your um, yes. Tell, tell us some of the big brands. Just... Yeah, so Tanqueray, Captain Morgan, um, Gordon. So uh, you you mentioned yeah, we're the world's largest premium drinks company, yeah. and um, you know we, we believe that that diversity and inclusion is the right thing to do, but actually we've got the evidence that it gives better business results as well. Amazing. Yeah. All you have to say is just look in your drinks cupboard <laughs> and pretty much most of what you have in there would be from Diageo. Exactly. Yeah. Jeremy, it's been, we're so honored. Thank you for sharing this time with us and for all the wisdom that you've shared. I'm sure we're definitely going to have you back anyway. Um, lots more conversations to be had as the story of inclusion and the benefits that uh, Diageo has received and the, the impact that you've had around the world as that story unfolds. So we look forward to doing this again in the not too distant future. Very soon. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, and yes, yeah, look forward to, to round two. As they say, it's a wrap. Please like and share. And what else do you do with a podcast? Uh, subscribe. subscribe. There you go. <laughs> All the stuff that you do with a podcast. We'd love to uh, have this message go go wide because everybody needs to hear it. Because when we get inclusion right, the, 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 pay, the payback is better results when we include everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye for now. We hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did and you want to hear more, the best thing to do is subscribe. Then you'll never miss an episode. There's a new one every Friday. You can stay connected with us on social media at The Four Habits. 
for updates, behind-the-scenes content, and to participate in discussions related to the show. We always love to hear from you. And of course, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your preferred platform to allow us to reach more listeners and help people around the globe radically transform the way they do relationships so they too can enjoy better harmony at home, thrive at work, and win at life.